Hello and welcome to the PC Gamer UK podcast. My name is Sammy Roberts and I'm joined today by... Tom Senior. Phil Savage. We're going to talk about some computer games, as is our way. Oh, uh, yes. Starting with Absolver from uh, Devolver Digital and a developer called Slowcap, uh, Slow yeah. Slowclap, uh, made up of some former Assassin's Creed guys, hmm. uh, as I understand it. It has a combat system that's way better than Assassin's Creed's combat system. Hooray, it's not hard, oh, but... Yeah, yeah, well. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... From outside of E3, this because it wasn't announced at any of the conferences, it sort of just crept up out of nowhere. And yeah. Suddenly, everyone was going, "Oh, Absolver's definitely like game of the show or whatever." Yeah, and I remember when I put in my headline on this on the preview on the site, um, "Surprise hit of E3." Mm. I then looked up "surprise hit uh, Absolver," and about five other fucking publications <laughs> had the same headline. I Surprise! Like, I'm such I'm such a hag. <laughs> uh, so uh, yeah. What's the deal with Absolver? So I didn't even know what it was when I went to it. Like I booked an appointment with Devolver because I knew I was playing Serious Sam VR, which is really Mm. good fun, by the way. If you want to just play a a good kind of shooting gallery game in VR, that's kind of spot on. That's as much as I've got to say about it. Uh, (laughs) uh, But then they said um, the PR uh, went, uh, "Oh, and Absolver's the other one I want you to try." Like we're really excited about this one. Mm. I went in like, and it has this quite unassuming uh, muted art style, Mm. just sort of I don't know, like uh, ninja cowboy. Just if you looked at it, you wouldn't be that blown away by it. Um, but then uh, I started playing it, and it's 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 got like uh, quite a sophisticated uh, countering, uh, blocking, uh, fainting kind of system hmm. where that's built for kind of like this uh, this one on one style melee duels, um, and that uh, and it's so satisfying and so responsive that it's uh, I don't know I've not played anything like like this that that provides that level of enjoyment for a while. Hmm. Kind of reminds me a bit of. Um, the uh, like uh, older kind of Capcom action games, uh, the likes of Devil May Cry, um, God Hand mm. is the example I came back to. Because um, uh, okay, where do I where do I start here? So there's a there's a there's a PvP element and there's a PvE uh, PvE element. And so um, in PvE, uh, you just kind of wander around fighting AI guys, and basically I was just getting used to how the kind of controls work, how you do everything. Um, you know, kind of learning learning about timings and stuff. Um, it's got the system where if you land a punch, then I land another one at exactly the right moment, then they'll chain together and it will go faster and more powerful. Mm. Um, so it's learning systems like that. It's got um, you can uh, parry from like two different sides. So if someone kind of like tries to kick you from the right hand side, you can parry that side and and so on and so forth. Um, the kind of direction of attack is really important because um, you can actually build your own combos in this game, and every every attack has. Uh, like a kind of it will show you on like a circle the kind of direction the attack will move in i did hand movements in the room i realized people can't see that on the podcast (laughs) um so yeah like you can um chain together a combo but if you do those attacks kind of have to be right oriented and that's that's how it works there has to be kind of like a a logic running through them so you can sort of flow seamlessly from one into another. Mm. You have to kind of line up the circles oh. so you can you can build these combos. Have I made this too complicated? I think I have. No, I'm vaguely following along. I'm just about hanging in there. So let me explain how the combo customization actually works. Yeah. Right. You can um, at any point in the game you can just hit pause and you can um, you can change up your your combo. So you have uh, you have a square attack and you have a triangle attack. For each push of the square button, you do a different attack, mm-hmm. um, and it's kind of like um, in the combo customization. You can pick each time you press square what attack that does, mm. and fi- basically build your build your own combo. Um, so if you've, I don't, it's very unlikely that anyone listening to this has played Capcom's God Hand, but a very similar system exists yeah. in that. Yeah. And then the triangle attack just has one uh, one more powerful attack that you can program in there, mm. and you can just use it any time. But obviously, if you do a few square attacks and use that, then yeah, that's a, that's a thing you can do. And um, 
yeah, the idea is you can build loads of different combos and and um, switch your options up. So depending on which enemies you're fighting, uh, you know you can adjust your combos accordingly. And this is particularly important in PvP where. Um, if you're fighting and, and another player works out your play style, then you might want to switch it up so they don't know what kind of attack is coming next. Mm. Um, and it's a it's a really clever in-depth system. That's interesting. And um, yeah, it, it it really works incredibly well. PV was okay, but PVP was like, I was playing this developer and he was like, oh, you have played uh, God Hand before, haven't you? Because <laughs> <laughs> um, it was I was doing these kind of like three sixty degree kind of like rolling and strafing and you know fainting, push, pull back, um, swooping again land and attack and we were basically a match for each other and like um i think we ended up the match at something like i don't know nine nine kills a piece and the jewels were so dramatic i was just holding my breath during it and switching up combos um midway through and then him not knowing what my next fight style would be and then and then actually landing those attacks because i'd kind of like you know i'd strategized around it mm. so damn satisfying sounds like a game that's kind uh done a very good job of kind of simulating a martial art uh, yeah. the way that obviously martial arts are endlessly complicated but it's almost what you think a martial art is based on the film you've watched yeah and that kind of um, strategic uh, you know tit for tat exchange of the blows yeah de- it definitely captures the, the rhythm of that better than any game I've uh, recently played that's for sure and um, yeah like uh, there's a really good sense of feedback to each attack and the hand to hand isn't even the extent of it there are swords as well sweet so okay. when you inc- incorporate that it becomes even more sort of dramatic and oh, well. you know they, it's likely it'll have other melee weapons as well I'm pretty sure that's what they told me and uh, yeah I, 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 I think if you liked uh, Jedi Knight you'll get a lot out of it Jedi Knight obviously you couldn't build your own combos or anything like that but mm-hmm. that was about stances and strategy and uh, positioning relative to the other player and there aren't many games like that it's like Blade Symphony um, mm. that's yeah. around that's a favourite kind of Chris kind of Xeno Clash to an extent which is like a first person one on one dueler thing which is a very strange weird game if you like weird art styles Yeah, if you like French things <laughs> yeah <laughs> It sounds like it's a long way off um, being ready. And there's another element I didn't quite understand where um, if you're in PvE, you'll see other players. Uh, I looked kind of left and there was another human player fighting some AI off on the, this bridge. And I was like, hmm. oh, what's that? And that, that? Apparently that was just simulated for the game. Hmm. But the idea is that enemies, they'll be able to drop in and out of your game. Oh, they'll cool. be able to run through together or whatever. Uh, I think it's got to be a little bit Dark Souls these days. Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, it's a good thing, though. It's a good system to copy. It, it is, yeah, for sure. And it seems like there's a heavy customization element on uh, on making your guy look a certain way as well. Mm. Um, but honestly, it's all about the uh, the feel of that combat, the options available to you, the uh, how much you can express you know, yourself through uh, through the way you fight. Amazing, truly amazing. That's Exper- fantastic. Yeah, experimenting with different combos was just the best. Like, mm. I don't know. I, 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 yeah, I came out of it thinking it was probably the best thing I played at E3, mm. which was a complete surprise. Mm. Um, but I was so into it by the end. Does sound like the surprise hit of E3. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't know who'd say a thing like that. Hacks. <laughs> um, yeah, so I was very impressed by it. Basically, right. that's uh, that's a yeah. We were way off playing it, but my god, I can't wait to play it again. Mm. I doubt this is being picked up for the microphones. We should just point out that there is what sounds like corporate chanting coming from another room. Okay, throughout. I can't explain what that is. The intern <laughs> being sacrificed. <laughs> Don't worry um, about it. I'm sure it's fine. Um, on the uh, less exciting side of E3, because um, mm. Tom Senior, you were also there. We shared a room for a week. And, uh, we did it. Was fun. We, we did lads it. on tour. <laughs> lads on tour. Remember when we bought six beers and didn't even <laughs> four of them before we threw the rest away? Wait, hard. lads on tour. Whoa! <laughs> Slow down, guys. Yeah, that was uh, it. Was great. <laughs> it was good fun. Um, but yeah, you uh, you went to uh, do the Ubisoft booth tour. I did. Um, you played a bunch of Ubisoft's cool stuff. Um, but on the uh, on the less fun side, you played Steep, the uh, oh, no. surprise. Oh yeah, uh, it's such a good 
good idea as well. It's um, Andy was so excited about it. It was like the game he was most looking forward to from uh, the E3 lineup. Snowboarding, skiing, endless samey mountains. Yeah, that's the problem. I mean, it's an open mountain game where it's kind of four different disciplines. So you've got snowboarding, you've got skiing, you've got kind of wingsuiting where you've got that kind of squirrel suit and you've suicidally dive off, mm, off, off things. Right, basically. Yeah, and then you've got the um, a parachute, which is your kind of discovery tool. That's how you glide serenely over the over the top of the mountain and find different races and different points. Mm. Um, and then you land and then you race down an incredibly boring mountain, <laughs> uh, which kind of looks really pretty, but it seems to lack all the kind of personality and excitement that previous snowboarding and skiing games have had. Right. Uh, and it, it feels to me as though it's been kind of procedurally generated uh, in one go and then um, not necessarily touched up or kind of looked at by level designers. Or uh, It's based on the the Alpine mountains that the devs can actually see from their windows. Mm. So they might have just realistically uh, remodeled it, but it's not necessarily... I spent like about 15 minutes playing it in, through the various different disciplines and... It feels quite nice. It's got uh, it's got some nice kind of snow deformation effects, and it sounds really nice. The sound of kind of slicing through snow is really beautiful. That's, that's such a lovely sound in games. You can rely, rely on yourself for presentation, right? Yeah, and uh, all that stuff seemed right. And uh, there's some really um, sensible stuff, like you could just press a button to restart uh, a race at any time. Hmm. You can fast travel to anywhere on the mountain really quickly. You can change your outfit by pressing up on the D-pad, and it's super, super immediate, and that's, that's brilliant, and that's exactly what it needs to be. But uh, the kind of few races we did, and even the showcase race that the developer did, um, they all just took place on, on it's just black rock and white snow, and it was a bit lumpy. Oh. And, I mean, obviously mountains are like that, but the, uh, previous developers have uh, found ways to make mountains exciting and varied mm. and, and really intense places to be. Yeah, the, the best um, of those kind of games I've ever played is, I think it's just on 360, but it's Amped 3. Oh, yeah. Which, um, where you could actually, there's an element to it where you could actually um, play set pieces on the mountain and they'd be saved there permanently. So mm. you'd be going down what was once this plain slope, but you've put like a downed airplane there and loads of kind of ramps and stuff like that. Oh, wow. um, and yeah, yeah, it was really daft and unrealistic, but the games like that probably should be because it's just a yeah it's just more fun yeah. I've always wanted to do a kind of halfway house between the Amped and the SSXs and what Steep is because Steep doesn't have the really loud shouty kind of hey you're doing a cool extreme sport and wow how cool is that and yeah. here's a hat you've earned a hat <laughs> uh, you could never do this in real life <laughs> <laughs> uh, you'll never earn a hat <laughs> it's far more sober and serene and you just kind of go and do what you, what you want to do and that, I, I really enjoy the tone of it uh, and it does have a, a good kind of course creation system though nothing like Amped you can't place objects right. but you can just uh, you can fly down a mountain and then land somewhere and you could pop out to the world map and it will have recorded your precise trajectory hmm. and uh, you can just save that immediately and the idea is that routes will be shared between people across the mountains and kind of it will populate uh, um, which is a new thing that Ubisoft are getting into thing is, I if, the, if the mountain all looks the same then um, what what would be the would it place checkpoints yeah. so you just have to follow those I guess that's what that's how they do it pretty much that's what your hang glider is for you kind of float over an area and bits and uh, things ping up with different types of challenge like an extreme challenge or a skate, uh, snowboarding or a skiing or you know a wingsuiting challenge and then you just kind of land and activate it on, on the kind of it's like a little gate so what constitutes an extreme challenge on a boring mountain um, well it, it, it was, it's a slightly more interesting part of the mountain right. with more kind of craggy bits that you can uh, you can do tricks and stuff in it as well it's got, it's got that element to it and some of the challenges are about getting points for tricks mm. some of them are just speed racing challenges it's got all it's it's got all the bits that should make it a good exciting extreme sports snow game um but without the kind without the without the excitement of 
didn't feel exciting to play. <laughs> is it is... a bit kind of simmy to play as well? Like, uh, is that yeah, is that how you described it? Kind of is. Um, it feels quite realistic, and it, and it will punish you for kind of landing at the wrong angle against something. And, and if you land too hard on something, and it, and it really stops you, it pops up with like the G's of of force that you you've just run into just like oh yeah you fucked that up so bad that you just you know seven gravities just punched you in the, <laughs> in the chest that is how gravity works <laughs> uh, which is kind of hinted at earlier in the simulation but it's very hard to tell how much depth there was to it with the right. limited time I had uh, see I, I want I, I really do want this to be good because um, there's I don't know you know a, a Ubisoft could be a thing where they get it right in like two or three games time mm. or you know it just starts off kind of fun and then yeah they kind of work out what, what it's supposed to be next time I don't know I think yeah. so it feels like a bit of an experiment it feels like they've been given a chance to finally make a snowboarding game again because we haven't seen those for ages really i think it was um sean white's pro snowboarding was the last one and that was on uh that was ubisoft as well in 2008 so yeah it's been a long time these games never seem to do well you know Mm, ssx had like one revival then Mm. went away again yeah and it feels like even the tony hawks games like they did a uh, they've tried to bring that back, though. Yeah, I'll be with a terrible but every time they do, they do it in some bizarre way where mm. they completely forget what physics is. <laughs> right. That stuff. You ever played the um, Pro Skater HD uh, edition on Steam? I no. heard it was bad, so I stayed oh. away from it because it would have broken my heart, I think. It's, yeah. It feels like it was like, like someone's just knocked up a Unity demo that's got all the old maps in it. There's no life to it whatsoever. Oh, like, dear. It's really embarrassing. Maybe that's what it used to be like. I mean, I I've got very fond memories of the old Tony Hawk's games and the soundtracks. Yeah, yeah and... certainly one, two, and probably even three. Yeah. Were... Three was legit. That yeah. was a very, very good game. But yeah, it's, we, I don't know. We also absolutely need EA to bring back the Skate series, which oh, never yeah. came to PC, but was amazing. No, it's beautiful games. Those they, are... they need to resurrect that. Yeah. I mean, there was the same every time. Like, Skate 1, 2, and three are just the same game mm. yeah. i think two of them even share the same city making it almost completely pointless <laughs> but enough time has passed now that they could make that game again and i'll just be happy about it i and think they will probably make it at some point also bring it to pc didn't no. pewdiepie talk about it which means oh I yeah no, so no, i have to make it it's a million sales on the table right there <laughs> yeah but, thanks um, pewdiepie he's He's got my back. He has, yeah. We can just get him to play um, Alien Isolation. <laughs> yeah. We should, we should email him and say, can you bring this game back for us, please? Um, yeah, so uh, it, it seems like that sort of game definitely died out about the early noughties. Like, it came and went really quickly, and ever since then it's just been half... Well, I don't say half-hard, because that's not fair. But just attempts to bring it back mm. that haven't entirely been successful. Kind of testing the water, I think. It doesn't seem like there's a super huge team working on Steep either. I think it might just be like, let's, let's put this out there and see if there's an audience for this sort of thing. I'd definitely play it. Like, um, I, I, the Just watching it, like um, the kind of the way they capture movement in first person was really impressive. Yeah, so, uh, terrifying. It does at least have that. Yeah. Does that then speak to this being quite a quiet year for Ubisoft with that headlining their E3 conference? Watch Dogs 2 as well. I mean, Watch Dogs 2 is yeah. there. And Ghost Recon. Say is next year is it Chris Vicon? But I think mm. like March next year or something like that. Yeah, I mean they've kind of they've got a, a bunch of stuff. They're kind of ticking along nicely. Uh, I think Ubisoft yeah. and uh, Watch Dogs Two impressed me actually. It was better than I expected it to be. Yeah, that was quite good, wasn't it? Mm. Um, did you get to play it at the end, Tom? No, I watched you playing it though, and it was hilarious. Yeah, like um, it did feel like a proper sandbox game. I talked about this a bit last week. Yeah, sure. Heard, but it does actually feel like uh, like and they've actually put. I said it was a bit more sandboxy than a typical GTA Five mission. I think that is true. Isn't yeah, it? definitely. I completely agree. Um, so that is uh, that is something. But yeah, like Ghost Recon Two is um, looks pretty impressive. I definitely. suppose there's Just Dance as well. Now That's true. Do not forget. 
It's also a quiet year doesn't hurt either. Like, you know, Ubisoft, you know, I tend mean, to They are right that Assassin's Creed definitely needed a year off. Yeah, yeah. sure. That, that needs some time in the. I'm really excited about what they come back with. Mm. What was it The Witcher 3 inspiration? That was a rumour, wasn't it? Really? Like, uh, wow. Yeah. Set in uh, Egypt, is that right? Uh, Egypt's the rumour, yeah. Yeah, so if they're really trying to tap into Interesting. that. Interesting. Yeah, uh, cool. Proper open world side quest stuff, that'd be cool. Mm-hmm. But until now, we'll play the um, the snowboarding game that Tom doesn't like that much. <laughs> <laughs> it could fun. still be good. They've still got a lot of time to work on it. Yeah, do you think, do you think they, they've the point they showed at E3 was like the point before they pressed the generate fun button like, it'll <laughs> be fine in the, the magic end. button yeah. <laughs> you never know with these things that's how, I assume that's how procedural generation works yeah I think so uh, you know with my in-depth knowledge of programming you just got to turn language, the fun slider is. up and... yeah that's right <laughs> that is exactly how it works mm. um, okay cool uh, so that's steep we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about that again at some point mm. uh, down the line uh, in the meanwhile, in the meanwhile, uh, Phil, you've it been works. continuing to play Overwatch, yeah. having um, experienced a, a, an odd form of uh, PTSD from <laughs> reviewing it for us and playing it nonstop for four days. Yeah, that's sort of what happens with every review, even of <laughs> games that you like and given eighty nine. And you know what they, they say? I gave Overwatch eighty eight. Okay, good. You know, they say that doctors and nurses have it tough, but, <laughs> but I, say, I say people who have to play computer games a lot oh, in hard, one week. Hardest, hardest game in the world. Yeah. Hardest game in the world. <laughs> Um, so um, you've uh, how has Overwatch well, changed since launch, Phil? Um, I mean, in one sense, it hasn't changed at all. Like Blizzard have only made some very well. Actually, I say that on the day they release competitive mode, but <laughs> I haven't played that yet, so I can't really talk about what that's like. But maybe we can talk about that next week. Mm, yeah. yeah. Um, so based on on what I've been playing over the last week, they've only made some very minor balance adjustments. You know, toning down McCree's uh, fan move to to stop him destroying literally everybody. Uh, and a few things like that. And so, in terms of Blizzard's involvement, it's, it's stayed quite static over the last month, but also everyone who's playing it has just sort of learnt the game over the course of that time, and that's made a huge difference into like what it feels like to play and how exciting a lot of the matches are. Because um, people just sort of get what you need to do in response to certain situations. Uh, a, like, a really interesting example of this has been Bastion. It's really rare now to see Bastion just wiping out an entire team uh, or just dominating because people know what to do against him. Mm. Um, but in relation, he's also found Bastion has also found his place in the roster. And this is something I, I wasn't entirely sure would happen. I assumed like once everyone had got like on top of him, we just wouldn't see him at all. But actually, because everybody kind of settles into a rhythm, he's found a really good place as sort of a late game surprise tactic um, especially if like you're defending and people are trying to push a payload towards you and then just right at the end switch to Bastion and if they're not expecting it you can just clear them out because they just don't see it coming Right. Um, so it's really nice to see those strategies emerging and people yeah, figuring out and forming forming plans and reevaluating it. I don't think there's like an established meta yet. I don't think we're quite at the point where uh, people are getting particularly angry about not having a certain hero in rotation or whatever. But with rank play out, that, that could be on the way. <laughs> it's um, Evan expressed some, uh, Evan from our US team expressed some frustration that um, a massive emphasis of the gaming community is on balance. They're fixated on that. Mm. And it might be at the expense of the game. Mm. Um, talks a bit about uh, Zenyata. Yes. Um, like, uh, what, what did you see that, and what what were your kind of thoughts on that? Um, like, there are heroes that are more picked than others. I, I guess uh, Evan's point is less that characters shouldn't be balanced as much as the sort of focus on specific stat things aren't isn't always helpful. Like, 
uh, people complain, were complaining that Zenyatta wasn't picked at all during a high-level play. And it's like, may, the, the stats aren't necessarily... Every, I'm trying to paraphrase a point that I read last night. No, that's oh. fine. Uh, but I guess I, I, I was kind of intrigued that it's... And then maybe everyone was hinting at that some of the fun of the game is taken out by the fact that people are so fixated yeah, on that. Yeah, I mean... And not really... Uh, I don't know. What's great about Overwatch is the very specific moments that you work towards um, that feel like they have a demonstrable impact on a match. And I think each character has a handful of these, and it could be just like reviving a bunch of people as Mercy, or dropping the beat as Lucio, or any, any like any number of things where you you know. I think that's why everyone gets so annoyed at play of the game and the fact that it's always just a oh, Reaper pressed Q and that happened, <laughs> or Junkrat pressed Q and that happened. It's right. like the actual plays of the game are a lot more subtle and meaningful. Um, and that, it's a really good feeling when because because the game's quite good at, at teleprompting. Like, okay, you have had this moment, and this is going to have like a big effect because so many of the clubs somehow like so many of the matches come down to like the last few seconds, possibly even going into overtime. So just a few like really good, clever moves can can make the difference. I think that that ecosystem does kind of rail against the idea of having everything be meticulously balanced because you're not looking at well, what does this character do specifically against this character it's what can I do in this situation to push the attack like the X amount more or to hold this defense for a few more seconds because that's what could make the difference right um, like I, I find I don't get frustrated if I lose and I don't really get frustrated if I'm killed I just get frustrated if I find that the team I'm playing against is on top of what I'm trying to do to the extent that I can't do it. Right. Okay. And and that's like the most annoying part of because it because it robs you of what you're chasing, which is like the big sort of team moment where you, where you're helping out. Yeah. Um. Hmm. But yeah, there are, there are still characters that probably do need tweaking a bit. Like I tend I I see the point of Zenyatta, but I rarely feel like. I play a lot of supports because because one thing the community still hasn't learned how to do is just pick a support. Right, okay. Uh, so I tend to do that, which is good because, like, Lucio and Mercy, I think, are great characters and it's really fun to play them. Zenyatta, like, sort of see the point, but at the same time, by having him instead of one of the other supports, you are giving up quite a lot of, right. of beneficial healing power. Interesting. Hmm. So interesting to compare this to something like uh, Dota, where... You know the Dota meta is constantly shifting, and heroes coming in and out of favour mm. as patches are, are levelled. And it's, if a, a character isn't played at high level, it, is that really a bad thing? Because maybe in yeah, uh, uh, you know maybe that maybe that character is designed to be fun in lower level games. I guess yeah, I guess why I I know why like place his community is sort of obsessed over this sort of stuff mm. because there is an appeal in like reducing things down to a solvable formula like okay well, through maths we can learn the most effective way to play and also we get to pretend like we are actually the pros mm. and the the lessons and the things that pros are doing actually apply to us but yeah they don't <laughs> they don't at all oh, it's interesting yeah i guess every, i mean yeah I, I get it everyone is playing to win after all mm. but like uh, yeah i thought that was an interesting point there are also more arseholes about now oh yeah um people sort of know more these days and if you know more you know what other people should be doing as well no, yeah. and when they don't do it oof you've got to let them know right so I had, we had one guy and there was a Reinhardt in our party who was 
incessantly hounding the bastion in our party, who admittedly wasn't great, but that yeah, guy was doing fine. Like he was there, he was having fun. He looked like he was having fun, so just leave him be. Yeah, yeah. But, I, I just like a, the, I think it was the second match of Overwatch I'd ever played since it had come out, and obviously a lot of people have been on, in on the beta. And um, I was playing Mercy or something, and just getting used to the character. And it um, goes with your stats at the end and your cards. Uh, you get these cards. Yeah. People could upvote and downvote you. And uh, I got a card for healing, and it's like there was a stat that said, "Oh, you absorbed 14 damage." And I was like, "Oh." Mm. Uh, and then just people in the chat were saying, oh, actually, the, the average is 35. Don't upvote the mercy. And I was like, uh, fuck this game oh forever. I, mean, I, was, I was just like, I'm just out. This just right right there. I just I can't be bothered with that level of kind of just... I've got to say, I've, I've, not, I've I have, not played Overwatch properly yet, and this is partly the reason. If I go in at this point, there's going to be so much of this like, around. I don't think it's as bad as certain other games can be. Like, it's no Dota. Let's <laughs> yeah. back up there. I've never seen anybody be that... Uh, like uh, annoying, pedantic, <laughs> yeah, and pedantic yeah. around around a, a, a mercy stat before. Let's not make this fun but, for the people involved. Let's uh, let's try and make one person feel bad, <laughs> yeah. make ourselves feel better. Pointlessly, the match was over. It wasn't going to affect anything. No, exactly. We should get a group together at some point because I think it will be, a, be a lot, lot more fun yeah. with like people who can talk and come up with a plan and okay. also just play for fun. Yeah, okay, we should do that. Yeah. I'll, I'll commend you, your mercy play, Tom. Thank you so much. Right, I don't care how much damage you it's absorb. The <laughs> it's, the val- <laughs> it's the validation I need. Send, uh, send an email around afterwards, Phil, and we'll get that going. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, be good. yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, I'll put it on the GCAL. Nice. <laughs> That's how we operate our PC game. It's a play date. Um, yeah, <laughs> that sounds like good fun. Um, okay, cool. So uh, any anything more on Overwatch, Phil, before we move on? Uh, no, I think, um, so yeah, the big question now, obviously, is what ranked play will do and whether that will make quick play a little bit more casual and friendly and as like the people who really want to win filter out into the place where they can do that. That is appealing to me. Mm. Um, yeah, for sure. Like, uh, uh, yeah, that could definitely help. Um, th- there's still going to be some frustrated people. I think you'll reach level 25 before you can even enter ranked play. But how how long do you think that would take? Uh, I'm only 22 now. But then again, I stopped after I reviewed it, and I've only sort of recently gone back. Uh, I'm not playing it like for hours and hours at a time. That's still now, a, but so. that's still about. 30 to 40 hours yeah like, like, it's uh, a decent chunk of play yeah. uh, to do so but they, yeah you're right though like by, at this point um, people who just play regularly they'll be gone yeah. so that's fine um, okay good well uh, yeah we'll uh, we'll be uh, we'll talk a bit more about ranked uh, down the line I'm sure mm. um, for now we're going to talk about uh, Obsidian's Tyranny which is their new RPG the latest uh, to follow Pillars of Eternity which came out last year and uh, Tom you played at E3 it is focused around playing the villain in uh, in an RPG world yeah or in fact the uh, the kind of uh, a villain's minion uh, there's an evil overlord who's, who's won uh, the world is doomed uh, and you're kind of his right hand and you're given these tasks to do terrible things to people, to crush uprisings and all sorts, of, all sorts of stuff. That's so fun. much political satire that we could launch into. Right now, <laughs> uh, and I think it's interesting because it's, it's almost like, what kind of dickhead do you want to be? Is is this seems to be the central question? Do you want to be a kind of? Because you could be maybe a manipulative and kind of talky dickhead, or you can just be the the kill everyone with a sword type of dickhead. Um, but fundamentally it's exciting because it's an iteration on the Pillars of Eternity RPG formula which is itself a callback to uh, the Infinity Engine games of old with Baldur's Gates and the Playscape Torments and all of that um, and they've done a load to just really streamline the combat system which was already I really really enjoyed in Pillars of Eternity but had a load of read 
warranty problems and it had like it hid a load of its mechanics uh, and you'd have to go digging through wikis to actually find out why your characters were taking random damage and stuff like that right. once you'd actually figured it out it was really interesting and a good kind of positional real-time pause tactical combat game um, but this time they've they've really done a good job of um, showing you exactly what's happening in the fight at any given point and who's attacking like who and, and why and how long it's going to take mm. them to do the attack and if they disengage it'll show you when they take the their free disengagement hits and all that sort of te te technical stuff uh, and for that alone I think it's going to be quite exciting because it, it's going to be uh, it's, it's beautiful as well it's just as pretty as uh, Pillars of Eternity which was this top-down perspective uh, kind of 2D art with 3D character models on top mm. and it looks fantastic and uh I'm really excited about it. Oh, that's cool. Mm. So it doesn't feel like it's Obsidian's B team doing it then? It feels like... Um, no, but it's, uh, it was only a very a brief snippet in terms of, like, the, I didn't get to see the whole quest line. So I don't know. And the big question about the game is, there are so many games that uh, try and let you be the bad guy, Yeah. but none of them actually let you be truly evil. Usually you're either very annoyingly sarcastic or just randomly psychopathic. Yeah. For and, no benefit. <laughs> And even going back to stuff like Dungeon Keeper and Overlord, which is that kind of... Oh, yeah, uh, oh, yeah the Go-Masters one. Yeah. And, and, You're evil, but do save all of these villagers, yeah. solve all their problems for some reason. And uh, in, in Dungeon Keeper, or, or Dungeon Keeper you're, you're beating up kind of just shiny knights in, armors, in armor who probably deserve to die. They do a good job of uh, making you uh, not really evil. You're not actually hurting anyone. And I wonder whether they'll really, really go into that territory and really let you kind of... Because I really want to. Like, that's not <laughs> yeah. appealing to me. Like, I'd yeah, like you, to just... Yeah. yeah. You don't normally get to do that in RPGs. No, you don't. But I would like to come out of it feeling really hollow. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it, it seems like if you're already on a bad path um, to start with, then that, that must exist within it, that kind of wrinkle. I don't know. I guess we'll see. Yeah, and also, to what extent, will it even allow you to turn on your evil overlord? And you could do that in an evil way, in a kind of Sith Lord sort of way. Yeah. And that, I, I anticipate that being probably the main thrust of the game. Mm. Uh, but it, there was still a little bit of kind of, a few little moral choices to be made in the little demo I saw. Well, it was dispatched to a castle to get crush a rebellion uh, and two kind of armies had been sent to help me but the armies hated each other and there's also this edict that which is basically a curse that the evil overlord had cast on us uh, that said um that if if it wasn't accomplished within a certain amount of time then everyone involved would be killed <laughs> okay wow and it's pushing you through that dilemma and you're working against that time constraint and trying to get these two armies to work together and it's just a very little scenario but it's kind of an interesting few twists and turns to it man, man people, people are going to love this aren't they it's, it's weird it feels like there's a bit less buzz behind it than there was behind Pillars like, I guess because Pillars was the first in a long time to well, I suppose you could count Divinity kind of but like yeah. to have any game that kind of evoked those uh, older styles of uh, RPGs like it's just been uh, not been a lot of them around I don't know yeah I think Pillars as well like they, they, so much of Pillars was about building the technology and kind of making it work and appeal to modern audiences and make it beautiful and that's all in place now oh yeah of course it's, it's all tyranny they just have to kind of write the quests and design the classes obviously that's a big job but it's yeah. not as mammoth a task now they've got that stuff in place yeah all right, well, that's we sort of have to start again from the beginning in terms of like getting it out to people because it's not just Pillars Two. It's mm. um, yeah. What do these game, What do these games actually look like these mm. days? And yeah, um, okay, interesting. Yeah, I look forward to seeing how that unfolds. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, cool. So the last game we're going to talk about today is uh, House of the Dying Sun, which is a Steam early access uh, space game, space combat game. Um, that both me and Tom have been playing. Mm. Um, it's got uh, it's got VR uh, support, which I understand is very effective from um, Crate and Crowbar's uh, Tom Francis. He mm. talked a little bit about that and uh, on Twitter. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's somewhere on the complexity scale between 
uh, X-Wing and Star Fox, um, I would <laughs> say. Like, it's quite a simple... Uh, so each each mission basically uh, breaks down as you've got a single objective, then you've got a bunch of bonus objectives. Um, and the single objective, uh, you can just finish and move to the next level. But you need to finish the bonus objectives to really level up, to get um, points to spend on, like um, extra weapons, better shields, whatever it might be. Mm. Um, and uh, at first, that's fine, because the bonus objectives are relatively simple. Mm. And you also get more points, depending on how um, how difficult, uh, what, what difficult setting you put the game on. So you end up replaying levels and um, trying to complete the bonus objectives on harder difficulty, which in the early levels is quite easy, but then it mm. quickly gets quite hard. Um, so yeah, you uh, you kind of enter a star system. Um, you start with one ship, um, and then you, uh, you you gradually get more and more, and um, you can control those while you're controlling uh, a ship yourself. Um, so you can give them orders uh, and so on. It's but it's it's pretty simple stuff. Hmm. Um, the, the ships look a bit like the uh, Vipers from Battlestar Galactica, uh, but and I'm enjoying it. Like it looks nice and everything. It's um, and I, I realised that I've wanted to play a space game for a long time and haven't really. There hasn't really been a one around to tick those boxes, but it's very simple, and I can't really work out how to be that tactical about the way I play. Mm. How are you finding it, Tom? It feels like a lot of the tactical intrigue is, is in the loadouts and what you choose to actually bring into the missions, because there are kind of hard counters for the things that you can actually find in each mission. Yeah. And it, you, you accomplish missions to unlock weapons, which then give you the hard counters to other missions yeah. and let you do them more effectively and let you bump up onto the more difficult challenges. Uh, and I don't find the loadout... I don't find loadouts interesting as a, as a mm. concept in games generally, um, and especially in a kind of starfighter game where the, the, the fantasy is being in the cockpit and doing clever yeah, things. Dogfighting, yeah, yeah dogfighting. And um, the stuff I do really like about it, I love how short the missions are. You kind of just, you're like hit and run. It's just you, you go in, you kill, kill something, then you have to warp out before the enemy kind of capital ship arrives. Yeah, which, which happens at every level, right? Yeah. yeah it, it's cool. It's like the equivalent of the ghost in Spelunky that arrives at the end, but <laughs> it's, it's a giant starship. Yeah. Uh, and that, that creates some really cool, tense moments. Um, I do like a lot of. Uh, I do like the flight model and how it feels to fly around and the fact that you can hold down a button to send you into kind of drift mode where you're just kind of drifting and spinning, basically Newtonian physics in a Battlestar Galactica way. Yeah, that feels great. Which feels fantastic. That lets you do the kind of uh, trick shots and that sort of thing. Um, so the, the, it's nice. It's just I don't feel like the, the depth, there is a depth in places where I want there to be depth. Yeah, if, yeah. If that makes any sense. No, I would agree with that. And mm. yeah, I agree the loadout thing isn't interesting to me. Like What you're doing in the game should be the most exciting thing. Mm. And I found like when I was trying to, I found that every kind of combat encounter was I'll just bomb towards them and whoever takes out who first, well, I guess they won. <laughs> and like, um, and then after that, it was just chasing them from behind. And then, mm. oh, I don't know, I never got the sense that I was like in a proper dogfight. Um, and like, I don't know, like trying to avoid enemy fire. It seems like you can sort of hide behind some asteroids but you don't really have any kind of way to you can't really use I didn't feel like you could use skill to or strategy to actually escape or uh, yeah, get an advantage are there any countermeasures or anything I don't, I'm not sure there are other well, you, you, like if someone's got a lot of games have done stuff where there's a lock on you and you deploy countermeasures there are kind yeah. of various different things that, that you can do to keep like, to fly defensively right uh, I don't I don't think so I like, don't think um, there is your no. loadout obviously you can pick your sort of you know pick shield or whatever but mm -hmm. like generally I don't know if you want to try and I know if you think that skill can win it for you, generally it can't. It feels like, yeah, you, you need the right thing in your armory in order to do it. But I've only played it for like about about three hours. Um, mm. And I, I do I do like the experience it gives you of just being in a spaceship. And it was only about, I think I got it for about £13 on Steam. And I think that was, on that level, it was probably just about worth it. Um, but I'd like the, I don't know. Have they said what? Um, what's being added as part of the early access? I don't know actually. Program mm. like I could look that up while we're talking. Are, are these problems that could be could be tweaked away? I don't know. It seems like um, 
it's it, there's not really a system in place for effective dogfighting. You'd have to build that from scratch, I would assume. It's interesting because it, it's interesting stuff about it. So, for example, you can press a button to go onto a kind of map view hmm. and actually control your army like an RTS. Um, Jump in and out of uh, ships to control them. Yeah, yeah, which is a fantastic idea and it's really well implemented as well. It's, the interface for it is brilliant. Um, but I've never really had too much reason to actually send squadrons in different directions or right. anything like that or actually play an RTS or really strategize yet. Um, so it feels like there's a lot of kind of systems in place that aren't necessarily used to their maximum potential. Yeah, it's getting a really good response on Steam. It's, it is enjoyable, that's the thing. It's mm. just not, I guess like, I don't know, there's a, there's a high watermark with this um, with this kind of, uh, this sort of game that I don't know, you know, because of the X-Wing games and like, uh, and stuff like that, like it's just, I don't know, you want a game like that to feel like a Stone Cold classic, you know. Yeah. And also I can't really see enemies coming physically. Uh, which is mm. probably you know That's you're a in space, space game so thing, fine. isn't it? Yeah. But like uh, I don't know, I don't, I don't know. It just feels like it's lacking an essential bit of fun. <laughs> it just doesn't. Uh, do you know what I mean? Like it, yeah. I'm getting the spectacle. I'm just not feeling like I'm getting any much enjoyment out of the combat itself. Mm. I like being in the ship and I like going around these levels and I like warping out when a capital ship arrives. But don't know. Not feeling it apart. Not feeling the actual shooting the things. No, no, that's not. That's not, if that's not an enjoyable experience, yeah, yeah, totally. I think that's. Uh, I think that might have, be an issue. Either of you played Diaspora Shattered Armistice? <laughs> what? Bless you. That is. <laughs> <laughs> it's the uh, standalone free set base like total conversion. That's just it's Battlestar Galactica. Oh, like, it's literally Battlestar Galactica. Mm. You you go and kill Silence, and then you you come in hot in onto the Battlestar to, oh, to land, cool. and it's good fun. No, that yeah. Great. Uh, and, Wow. Okay. Yeah, free space is is a decent basis to build something like that off of. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, for and sure. And it's completely free. You can just download it as a standalone package. Okay, I might pick that up then. I appreciate that actually. Um, they've tried to make a, a space game that is isn't as complex as, for example, Free Space Two, uh, and they've tried to make it something quite arcadey. Um, mm. Yeah, it's definitely not as complex as something like X Wing. You're not like controlling no. the direction of your shields or anything. Like no, that. nothing like that it's at all. A bit more like uh, I guess a bit like Rogue Leader on. GameCube or something, mm, yeah. Like, um, yeah. You, in fact, even in fact, it's quite similar. Like, you have the, um, you know, you're right down to controlling your companions using like the, I guess I don't know if you use a D-pad. It's an order wheel. Yeah, order wheel. Like, so it's it's yeah, it's definitely not that complex. So it's in early access then. Yeah, it is. Um, it says almost all features are in place, so our intention is to close out the game and leave early access sometime this summer. Okay. Um, the final version will have a complete balanced pass, a, flesh, a fleshed out stable of upgrades and weapons to unlock, and a carefully tuned set of combat scenarios. It will also include a custom wave clear mode for even faster pick-up and play sessions. Okay, I, I shouldn't be begrudging it that much. I didn't pay £40 for this. So <laughs> yeah, it is, a, it is fate, uh, it's designed fate. to be a small, fun game, isn't it? Yeah, and like the, the other thing is, if you don't want to do the, the countering, uh, if you don't want to get into that or do the bonus objectives, you could just brute force through the main campaign by mm. finding the guy you've got to kill, destroying them, then getting out of there. Mm. And that is relatively simple. I haven't actually had any problems doing that in a level yet. It's the bonus objectives that I'm finding tricky right. uh, on the harder difficulty settings. Um, what do you think, Tom? I kind of, I, I, what, what I really want is to play House of the Dying Sun 3 when this one's been a massive success for them and maybe they want to fill it out and make it bigger and better and kind of tune all the stuff up. Yeah. It feels like it needs some iteration to really get to reach its full potential. Yeah, I think so. I don't know, yeah. If I just without, without the I know, essential fun element of the dolphin, that's what it's lacking for me right now. But mm. I, I, everything else about it is pretty effective. Mm. I, well I hope it does well. Um, I want to see more games like this as well. Even yeah. if this one for us hasn't necessarily gelled just yet. No, and um, yeah, I was trying to think, like, I guess E Valkyrie was the other one that came out recently where it was like, I don't know, can we have a fun space combat game? That ended up being a bit of a disappointment. Mm. Like, uh, Maybe Call of Duty will save us all. Well, maybe. Apparently, yeah. yeah. 
Chris Thurston certainly seems excited about it. I was excited about it. I saw it at E3 and being played, and it was it is a bloody exciting game. It's like I saw the uh, I just saw the map screen of the levels, and it's just the solar system. <laughs> it's like which planet do you want to go to and do that? I was like, this what? Is like, this is Call of Duty. That was now. this Call of Duty? Yeah, I looked, I looked away for five years, and all this happened. <laughs> um, okay, cool. So how's the dying sign? Yeah, we'll, we'll come back to that because um, I've, I've perhaps been a bit too damning there because I, I did enjoy what I played. I just wish there's a little bit more to it. Mm. But um, cool. Okay, we'll be back after the break with one. Very uh, long and uh, possibly interesting reader question. We'll let's see how t- it goes. Let's hope. <laughs> Hello, welcome back. We're going to discuss uh, a reader question that we've had. That you've sent really in. hyped up. I have hyped up, and I'm not sure I've got it on my phone anymore. So um, we'll have to kill some uh, kill some time. <laughs> How you doing, Tom? You right? I did very well. I've been playing uh, the Amazing Space Marine. Oh, we didn't talk about that. Oh God, <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. You, you reinstalled Space Marine, and I, uh, today I reinstalled Kingdoms of Amalur uh, Reckoning. I think they are the... certainly Space Marine, and probably Kings of Amalur to the bit are like the two games I most closely associate with Tom Seymour. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe Darksiders as well. Darksiders is actually in the same kind of category. They all do... Yeah. They, you know what I've discovered? They all do one thing extremely well, and that is you get to hold a really big hammer and you get to hit things and then they explode. That apparently is just what I fucking want to do in games That's all the time. Thing. That's fair uh, enough. And uh, Space Marine is especially good for that because uh, what they did was they put all of their time and effort into making orcs blow up in hmm. clouds of blood in slow motion and it's really satisfying all the time didn't I, yeah didn't you also play many assassin's creed games while holding a giant warhammer oh yeah no my, well my favorite weapon was the um the double-handed sword in assassin's creed okay. whenever there's a double-handed sword and, and they used to let you throw it i used to, I used to my how <laughs> well, I used that was to a good weapon actually it was fucking awesome was that the one you had to drop when you started running yeah it was just too heavy i never ran anywhere <laughs> i walked everywhere with my giant stupid sword it was it's, great i've got a uh, i've got a mate who um played every single quest in kingdoms of amala when he um finished his dissertation at, um when he was at uni and he said that like yeah he just the only way he could deal with life afterwards <laughs> was to do everything in kingdoms of amala um, it's a good it's weird how we just break down sometimes isn't it? <laughs> as human beings yeah. it's, a, it's a well-regarded game though like it's got a, a like a god of war style combat system yeah you like know what it, it's good chunky combat. it is good I, I i i do rate it and it's got a very kind of old-fashioned uh quest giving system and there are far too many quests and the, the environment's a bit too big it feels like you're um the last person alive in an mmo uh, and, <laughs> and definitely well i guess it was an abandoned mmo right that's so but, oh, that yeah, probably of course it was factor into the, exactly uh, yeah, what, yeah. why it feels that way um but at the same time i mean combat feels fantastic there's loads of kind of you can you've got chakrams or you've got the giant hammer or broadswords and but on top of that you've got like a lot of rpg item progression and some um interesting kind of story ideas as well there's definitely too much going on in it yeah like, i remember finding it quite bewildering when i play i played about for about 20 hours and just i was just like I, I can't really keep track i can keep track of about a third of what's going on here mm. but not really much apart from that um, I think there's also like if you don't uh, if there, there are some classes you can pick that you just screw yourself later in the game. Oh, if really? You, uh, apparently, yeah. I hope it's not the giant hammer class because I'm <laughs> truly screwed. No, I think it'll be right. Um, it's uh, and it's got some really satisfying spells in it as well. It also, it's a really colourful world, like um, it is. to the point where you don't really see that in any sort of fantasy RPG. Well, mm. I say that, but then uh, The Witcher Three: Blood and Wine came out. Yeah, and it says, "Hey, we got we we put a holiday in a game. That's right. <laughs> we took <laughs> got, the brown out. We've got all yeah. the colours." Um, yeah, 
Yeah. It does. And the different classes are actually independently very satisfying and different to each other. So the rogue class, there is a kind of very basic stealth where you can sneak up behind people and assassinate them. But it also lets you use bows alongside um, knives and the really satisfying knife attacks where you kind of power up and dart back and forth between them like a, a, a kind of an anime like a bleach character yeah or something um, lots of really nice uh, they've worked a lot really hard on the combat in that game it's very God of War like mm. um, the kind of like the way the kind of rolling works like you say just yeah. switching between the weapons like uh, yeah it's very considering it's meant to be an RPG it's, it's pretty high end stuff I would uh, look for it in the Steam sale because mm. it's going to be so cheap and all of the DLC in it and apparently it's just huge with the DLC like that it's loads of missions I, I'd say you don't even need to buy the DLC <laughs> <Probably>. <laughs> like, I don't think you'll ever play through the main game unless you hit some sort of existential crisis <laughs> yeah, unless and, you've uh, just done a dissertation uh, 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 or you're Tom Senior <laughs> yeah and you need yeah. to you need to break from it you know a total unraveling it's funny because we do joke quite a lot in the office about the Tom Senior type of game. That joke's been going. The, the Tom Senior seven out of ten is is a it's a yeah it's a great. I, I might put together like a Steam playlist at some point of all of them because they're, yeah. they're what they are is just brainless fun. That you can't really say they're pushing the genre forwards or anything like that. But you can say that actually, if you buy this for a tenner, it's going to be you're going to have fun for twelve hours with it and it's going to be good. But Space Marine was very good for what it was. Like um, I think what it lacked was it was a THQ game, right? So mm-hmm. um, Relic made it, but THQ were in charge at the time so I think they needed a little bit more budget than they yeah, had definitely. to make it like you get a, I think it's chaos at the end turn up don't they they do blood letters and all them um, it's what you think of when you think of 40k is you think of huge armies and you look up and you should be seeing battleships exploding and falling to the earth and yeah. it should have that sense of scale and, and you know appalling death to it uh, but whereas <laughs> what Space Spring does is it puts you in a giant brown kind of warehouse and mm, it makes yeah. you press some switches to turn a titan on I remember there's a bit where you sort of you walk past some Imperial Guard and I was like oh there's a Lehman Russ there and it's like behind a barrier <laughs> isn't participating in the battle whatsoever yeah, yeah. and I was like ah just feels like they were about 10 million dollars away from making this uh, the proper, game it could have been but but um, in fairness like the combat is just super nice uh, it just feels super nice nothing nothing complicated about it but yeah. it's 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 good orc stomping fun always in a steam sale as well absolutely because it's a reddit game it's very likely they'll keep it updated forever yeah they do, uh, do they'll that. probably release some DLC for it this year <laughs> yeah maybe um, yeah okay cool so those are the, those are the uh, the Tom Senior's infamous 7 out of 10 games there's a few others that uh, we'll talk about at some point I'll, I'll roll Viking them out over the, yeah. over, over the coming months oh, I'll roll them out that is a proper that oh, that, no, that, that's, that's, that's worse that's, I tried it it's, <laughs> it's not good enough well that's like um, that. when people were excited about Alien Isolation I was like do you remember that? <laughs> CA made a game that wasn't uh, I, I tried to play game. it and it's a strange game I'd recommend going it's a surreal game to try and play today it is very yeah. weird like the stealth sections were a major mistake mm. that they made that they shouldn't have made <laughs> wasn't there a Spartan one they made as well well there are basic mistakes in the starting area where you've got a jump but it's not high enough to get over the low fences <laughs> you, mm. you just can't travel in the ways that you expect this is just loads of weird stuff about it okay well that one doesn't make the list then but no. yeah look out for that Tom will make that playlist at some point I will I might do an article about it it'll just be like um, you're, you know how you always see tags when people tag things sarcastically on Steam you'll mm. see Tom Senior game as a tag yeah, absolutely I'm going to make this a thing <laughs> Okay, cool. Um, so our question is from uh, Martin Callahan, who wrote in last week with that um, Desert Island Disc question. Well, that wasn't really about that, but I turned into we it. We turned it into that. And then me and Phil talked about it for about 40 minutes. <laughs> and it was good, apparently, because Tom listened to it in his tent in Glastonbury. I, I did. Um, I was escaping from the mudpocalypse. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, I don't entirely understand this, but I'm going to say it and then see what happens. Um, following on from my last question, you can have another option to mash up your single game with another to make the time on the dessert island while away even faster. I want to go there. That's probably desert. (laughs) 
<laughs> just giant meringue. Yeah. Just live on to be fair, Lovely. Martin did then email back saying, oh, I made a spelling error there. I meant desert. Oh. Yeah, and that's okay. And I'm, and I'm only uh, lightly joshing. It's, it's all good. I'm very grateful for the question. Um, for me, I would choose to mash up Carmageddon with Fallout 3. Maybe a sort of DLC to Fallout where your character has to use the workbench to uh, soup up a car and then enter a race against the Brotherhood of Steel and Vance from the family. Now... I like Martin's commitment to Carmageddon. He's yeah, just, this he's is, just ran with this. I, I, like, this is my game. It's my. For the game. record, this is my I game. fucking love Carmageddon. It's a fantastic <laughs> game. I played uh, weirdly. I played the demo to death when I was really young. Was it on a PC game of cover disc? It was. I, I think it had green blood and everything in it at the time, or something. Oh, it, was, it was the proper kind of German censored version where there was zombies instead of humans. I remember it like not. Be, I remember it not feeling controversial in the least. I remember it just feeling like, well, that was uh, that was a thing that happened. Mm. It was. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was. I get what it, what it was meant to be violent, but I never found it as shocking as even something like Goldeneye. I don't know, mm. like where you could shoot guys in the head while they're in the toilet. That was that was slightly more yeah, shocking. Yeah, that's to weirdly me. violent actually. Those those bits of Goldeneye. Yeah, yeah, but you know, everyone who I knew was eleven was playing that game. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I never really got the uh, the shock over it. I guess it's just the subject matter itself. But I like that you like it, Tom. That, yeah, it's good. Not, that doesn't surprise me that much. No, that's to be honest. certainly that... scans with what we've just learned about. <laughs> <laughs> but that that game is also because it had mods. Like it, yeah. it, you'd run over power ups and it just changed the gravity and there was like a drugs mode and it had loads of just inventive fun. It was just. Big stupid fun oh, that's cool no, okay so your recommendation is if you've got a PC game cover disc from about 1998 <laughs> yeah. give it a try and you're stuck on a desert island with a, <laughs> a laptop that can't connect to the internet then I know the laptop can connect to the internet oh is that the rule trust me there were no rules <laughs> <laughs> um, okay cool so fusing two games together to make a better one to survive on a desert island It'd be fun. It may surprise you to learn that I've not been asked this before. Um, it's never come up before on like dates or anything like that. My family get-togethers, you know. <laughs> Samuel, if you were on a desert island, what two games would you combine for one super game? Well, what would you? What two well, Pokemon? Ask, I'd combine. Yeah, I'd combine football and Pokemon. <laughs> Uh, it's, a, it's a tricky question really like do you go for wildly different things and try and create a kind of monster monstrous hybrid I, w- I would I would ask for uh, I'd probably mix uh, this is such a boring answer I'm so sorry MGS5 and GTA 5 I'd mm. have MGS5 mm. set in a city with loads of people in it yeah. yeah yeah fair enough I mean Assassin's Creed with Dark Souls Combat or stuff like that I mean put Dark Souls Combat in a lot of things and yeah. it just gets better yeah, even like, Arkham's Combat in Assassin's yeah, Creed you know? definitely The Witcher with Dark oh god Souls that's actually a much better idea would be just yeah. the perfect game yeah it's true um, I think I would combine The Witcher, i.e., like, or certainly the mystery element of The Witcher, and actually the, the, the need to investigate and this idea that you're in there solving crimes, mm. uh, monster crimes, with something left field like Call of Warriors Gunslinger, which is a game literally. A, it's a Western, which means it's good. Mm. <laughs> B, it's a game that is about a person who is completely unreliable and lying to you like the, the the story kind of path within that is quite interesting for using an unreliable narrator and it's in an era where like legends were born and tall tales are made so i think that would be huh. quite a nice little fit for a, an interesting mystery open world game yeah that's not a bad idea yeah I wouldn't mind seeing some more of um, Bioware's kind of choice elements in, mm. in some games. I don't know if it would fit GTA necessarily, because I think in GTA you just have to be a dickhead. <laughs> yeah. um, in which of two ways will you dick someone over? <laughs> but I don't know. Just kind of adding some of the fun um, QT interactivity. Like if you're in a cutscene, just hit a, hit a button, a guy, you just slap a guy on the back of the head. Which is I, a, I don't even know where that example came from. Renegade and greater renegade <laughs> options in GTA. Except in GTA, it'll just be a case of, yeah, do, do, do you smack him up a bit or do you curb stomp him to death? Yeah, I suppose so. But it might even be things like, um, I don't know, just giving you interactive elements like, uh, shall we put the radio on? Yeah, sure, and you just put it on, I don't know. 
Guns and Roses. Like you could be mine comes on and <laughs> all the characters start singing along or something like that. Just adding more, adding more interactive narrative elements to games. Um, yeah. Have would like a game with GTA's level of detail and Red Faction Guerrillas complete. Oh, yes, yeah. that Lack is a of, very good suggestion. The destructibility. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, to be able to destroy a city, then you just hit a button and then it's back again or something. I don't know. It's kind of a, the new crackdown when the first stuff they showed off of that yeah. kind of hinted at uh, uh, that sort of thing. Which uh, apparently like requires like um, really uh, powerful broadband to um, just to run because it's like oh. cloud based streaming is how that's a how lot of doing destruction it. they say is being handled server side. So right. don't even, I mean I've not seen that done in a game before. So not without a lo- like load of rubber banding. Why Microsoft didn't show it off this E3? <laughs> I don't know, maybe. But um, no, I, I, I'm keen to play. Yeah, any game where you can destroy shit. Like, yeah, um, yeah that's true. The Red Faction Guerrilla got it so right. Then Armageddon put it underground, so it was really boring to use the same systems. Mm. Oh, I just destroyed the one ladder I need to but climb up this thing. But it's all right, guys, because you've got a magnet. You've got a powerful <laughs> magnet this time. Yeah, that was disappointing. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, and I remember um, listening to a podcast where Ken Levine said he uh, he really enjoyed Red Faction Guerrilla, so he just went and hired like some of the lead designers. No, he thought, I want need to hire some people, so I'll hire them. Yeah. I was like, fair enough. Like uh, That game was legit. Yeah, it's great. Um, don't know. I'm trying to get some more out there examples. Yeah. Uh, games? I, I always really liked uh, Black and White, uh, even though okay. it was kind of shoddily executed. So mm. I'd kind of merge that with a, a modern... Even a modern city building game like uh, Sim City, where you also have a giant pet monster, and there are, mm. there are enemy cities, and you try and fuck each other's cities up. That's not a bad idea. It is a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it is. Maybe it actually is. I just want black and white again in a modern engine. Um, I, there's, I think Andy's brought this up before, but like, um, there's a bunch of sort of like I like to see the alien isolation thing done with different. Oh, definitely, yeah. Term- I think you do it with Terminator probably. Could do it with um, Blade Runner was his suggestion, I think. And uh, I doubt they'll ever make games like that. But I know games where you're just in a in a you know in track mm. situation, but you lean on the fiction differently. Mm. Something like Blade Runner is good for it because um, you want a very defined sense of environment, um, which is what uh, you know, which, which is what is offered by um, Alien Isolation. And uh, yeah, you could I don't know you could have that whole that whole scene where you're running through the streets of, away from Deckard or something like that, no, and yeah. uh, being hunted down. You're replicant, and you need to just be on the run in this giant city. I don't know. Who knows? I, I shouldn't design games. Hmm. I'd match up... Uh, it's like you wanted the original Prey 2. <laughs> oh, yeah? Uh, not necessarily. I, I, everything about that except being called Killian Samuels. <laughs> so, you, so you'll take that game plus the lead character's name from any other game and you'd mash those two yeah, together. That's, that's good. Those, those two things. Um, yeah. I can't I believe so. you don't want to be called Killian Samuels. But the new Prey like, sounds spot on. Like It's basically sounds System good. Shock, right? But with Chris Avalon writing it. Like, Hopefully, yeah. Fair enough, you know. Um, I'd mash up Dawn of War with Supreme Commander to have a kind of uh, a futuristic Dawn of War game a futuristic 40k game but with on the, at the scale of Super Commander like almost a planetary scale where you're, you you actually get to use the titans and the biggest stuff in the Warhammer universe man I could, I could see why you'd uh, yeah that would be who awesome. knows maybe one day Tom I don't know maybe one day I wrote an article like three years ago about um, I think Creative Assembly had just announced that they were teaming up with a games workshop and I was like here are the games you should make and the, the two games I, I described have both been made almost exactly to the specifications I said so I, I should just write another article about the next Dawn of War game I want and hopefully that will happen I wouldn't mind seeing um, uh, a her story kind of detective format but with a I know in a kind of different genre mm. maybe as more of a period piece like um uh, basically, uh, what, what I like about uh, L.A. Noir and her story is they, they both, in their own way, tr- attempt to capture the feeling of being a detective. And her story is very successful at what it sets out to do. 
Eleanor is more flawed, but I don't regret playing it. No, it was very no. enjoyable. Um, so yeah, I, I, I would like there to be some better detective games that build on maybe I don't know the ideas in both of those games. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. I've really been blue sky here. Hopefully that answers the question. Do you think it does? Yeah. Nice yeah. enough for jazz. Yeah, hey. I think so. Yeah, yeah. They get an insight into our taste there, as good or bad as they may be. I don't <laughs> yeah, know. Or mediocre. <laughs> We've been doing the um, PC Gamer Top 100 uh, selection process this week. Um, yep. That issue will be on sale in, I think it's early August or late July. But um, That sounds right. I'll confirm that later on yeah. another podcast. But um, yeah, that's been an interesting process, actually. Mm. So I realise that my tastes change uh, every year in some mm. small ways, you know. Some big changes uh, higher up the list this year as well, so look out for that. Yeah, it's yeah. been an interesting one. Yep. Yeah. There, there, are, there are so many areas in which people are going to shout at us less but there are other areas in which they're going to shout at us a lot more. As, uh, is it not always the way? <laughs> <laughs> the top 100 is just like an excuse to be shouted at by yeah, the millions. That's, it's good. that's what makes it good. Yeah. It's, a, it's a great list, though. I think people will really like it. I think the magazine readers will really like it. Yes, yeah. that's, that's true. It's a list of 100 games, and people will be angry about that. That is, uh, that is entirely possible. But, um, yeah, it's, it's uh, it kind of... When you see the list, you'll see what an amazing couple of years it's been for PC yeah. gaming. Like it's, uh, yeah, for true. Sure. It's really something mm. for sure. Okay, cool. And on that, uh, on We've that also tease, go got, on. got got a new issue just out tomorrow as well. That is a very good point. We oh, should yeah. that. Um, mm. It's got Civilization Six on the cover. Uh, look out for it. Uh, it's got a bunch of stuff on Titanfall Two as well. Battlefield One. Uh, what else is there? Phil? There's a now? special look at um, Arc Survival Evolves Twitch roleplay community. Yeah, this review is intriguing. GTX 1080 review in there as well, mm -hmm. and like uh, PC gaming steering wheels. A bunch uh, of, what did Andy do? Laptops. Andy did um, uh, reinstall on Quake Two as well. Yes. Um, it's also good it's issue. got our best back page ever. You, did, you, <laughs> did you see it? In the end? Yeah, I did see it. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Yeah. Like if, it. yeah, if you. If you follow PC Gamers Twitter, you're going to love it. <laughs> wow, yeah. And if not, you may be baffled by it. But yeah, it's, it's, good. Uh, it's It's a very good issue, and that is out tomorrow in uh, all good shops, I guess. And then it's on uh, iTunes and Zinio and other stuff as well. The Google one. Yep, digital yeah. stuff. Um, cool. Oh, digital stuff. Uh, we'll be back next week. Andy will be on next week because I'll make him. This week he said he had hay fever, so he had to go home and play Lego Star Wars. That's his punishment. <laughs> um, but no, he said he's quite enjoying that, so I'll get to talk about that next week because yeah. um, I'm still baffled by Andy liking a Lego game. Yeah. You can also tell you about climbing Ben Nevis, um, which ended up being quite unremarkable because Andy went viral this week on Twitter <laughs> for tweeting a picture of a deer looking angry. Yeah. Um, so you can what I like that about experience. that is it's kind of... The, the exact definition of being careful what you wish for because Andy's whole thing is Twitter his Twitter game is very important to him yeah. and he's finally blown up and gone viral and, and it, it was just too much it, it's like a very bad episode of Black Mirror yeah. <laughs> that's what it is he can talk what about what if that tweets week. but too much but Samuel got retweeted by uh, Guillermo del Toro uh, this week as well is oh that right? god yeah, yeah. Well, which was really nice of him and like I'm two for two now I'm being tweeted by del Toro which <laughs> nice. is not bad yeah. um, because I don't normally tweet um, public figures um, because you look like a maniac yeah. um, so I try and avoid that but um, yeah and then it led to every single asshole on the internet tweeting me what they think about Batman the killing joke and you know what Tom I don't care what they think. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't ask for a dialogue but you know uh, I got Twitter one anyway you. that's Twitter yeah. um, but no on, uh, on, on that uh, non sequitur another thing we'll talk about next week as well is um, I've just started playing the uh, System Shock Remastered demo I never played the original game. I played the second one, but um, yeah, I'll talk a bit about that next week. We can yeah. all uh, give yeah, that cool. a go because yeah, it's actually it's quite impressive for a, uh, a mm. Kickstarter uh, demo, and reminds me that games used to be rather different. Mm. Yeah, things like inventory systems, yes. and uh, yeah, other exciting things. We'll be back next week. Thank you very much for listening. <laughs>